I'm Robert England, a.k.a. Freddy Krueger, and you're listening to the sirens of Scream. So give these mermaids a chance, or I will. <laughs> Welcome, my little devils, to the 68th episode of The Sirens of Scream, the podcast that understands that sometimes dead is better. This is an extra, extra special episode because it's our fourth edition of the 31 Days of Horror, the recommendations mega show that makes sure you don't go a single spooky day of October without getting creeped the fuck out. (laughs) 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 We all know that Halloween really starts on September 1st. But if you're new around here, we'll pretend it's just in October until you get the hang of things. But really, it's all the time. Yeah. (laughs) It's more of a lifestyle. It is. (laughs) I am Melissa Megan, and I want to welcome my sister sirens, Jackie DeVore and Sierra Hauk to the show. Hello. Good evening. (laughs) Good evening. Welcome. What have you girls been up to lately? What's going on? Man, I have been binging the fuck out of horror and Halloweening the house lately. Yeah, I've been making some regular trips to Target and getting... (laughs) Getting the new things. Oh, yeah. I haven't actually checked out the Target Halloween section yet, but I've been through Michael's Halloween section twice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm very excited because, I well, I've gotten no Halloween decorations for home because nobody comes to our house. We live on a really busy street where n- nobody really walks around in the neighborhood. What a bummer. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> the house is full of pictures of scary things anyway, so does it really make a big difference? No. <laughs> Um, but I get to celebrate Halloween at my business for the first time this year. Ooh. And I got, so I got some Halloween decorations for the salon. So that's really fun. I've already put one out. <laughs> I'm sneaking, I'm sneaking the Halloween decorations in in September. Um, I put the coffee beans that I have for my clients in a, a big old dark looking canister that says bone powder on it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> But Michael's has all of these feathery ravens, and I saw them the other day, and I thought, I wonder how many of these ravens I can put around the salon without creeping people out too badly. Nice. Kind of wanted to just, like, put them everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I actually got a uh, Friday the 13th tattoo this year, which is the first time I've ever gotten a Friday the 13th tattoo. Wow. And uh, it was of a raven, so. Nice. I'm very happy with it. It's very cute. (laughs) I don't think I ever knew you were such a Friday the 13th kind of girl. Well, I mean, like, the day, not, like, the slasher film. Okay. Not really that big on slashers. You're more about the superstition. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, we have got a huge list, 31 to be exact, of bloody, twisted, dark, and gross goodies for you tonight. So get your typing fingers ready so you don't miss anything, and we're going to get started on this. Honestly, when we uh, start a Patreon, the first prize thing or, you know, reward or whatever we're going to offer is, like, written out thorough list of all these freaking recommendations that we give on 31 days of horror (laughs) and i don't think we don't offer the list in our notes for 31 days of horror do we nope we don't you got to be quick to write these down (laughs) or just listen back you're just gonna have to listen to the whole podcast like four times until you get them all written down yep (laughs) (laughs) that's how they get you (laughs) 
Sierra, why don't you start us off with number one? I would love to. So my first one is one that um, I think this kind of encapsulates the spirit of these lists. Uh, it was an anthology that I was very excited last that it was coming out last year. And then I completely, honestly forgot about it. And then for this list, I was like, okay, I got to go watch some horror stuff. And I found this on Hulu. And I was like, oh, what is this? Oh, it's by Bloomhouse. Oh, interesting. And it was the um, anthology series that Bloomhouse did with Hulu. It's called Into the Dark. And it's the one that was releasing a new horror film around every holiday. Nice. So it started with Halloween. And then there was a Thanksgiving one, a Christmas one. Um, they got pretty... Uh, creative with them. Um, one that I watched was about Daughter's Day. That's a thing. Just, I guess, like Mother's Day, Father's Day. Yeah. And they're very fun. It's a, um, it looks like they are doing another season. They already have the one for October announced. And it's like a good, if you're just like, well, I don't really know what horror movie to watch. So there's a different movie for every holiday? Yeah. So it's like a horror movie about, uh, Christmas or about Thanksgiving, which like there aren't many of those. The one um, for Daughter's Day that I watched is very like culty and it's about like resurrecting Lilith. Nice. And this family is like in a very like strictly um, super religious, super like Bible thumping group. And it's a it's by a female director and it's about these girls like resisting that and like claiming their power. It's really great. Nice. That's a great way to start off this list here. Yeah. I know. So I haven't watched all of them, but I'm excited that I like remembered that they exist. And it seems like the theming of the holiday isn't like so overt that if you watch it off season, it's going to be weird. Um, it seems like they are just kind of like complete horror stories. My biggest issue with anthologies is always that they often feel very uneven. Mm -hmm. You know, there'll be like some that are really amazing and then some that are just flops. Yeah, totally. Do you think that this one is pretty, pretty even? Like they're all really good? I haven't watched all of them, I will admit, but the ones I have seen are pretty solid. And like they're playing with the subgenres pretty well. It seems like the people who make them are very like clear horror fans, like you would expect from Blue House. Like, they're all pretty unique. It's not ones that you've like seen before. So our number two on the list is uh, I feel like I have a lot of automatic like kind of givens on this list tonight, but that's because I didn't watch as much as the other girls did. <laughs> uh, I was a little busy this year and I didn't get as much horror in. So I'm going to repeat a little bit, I think, on mine, some of the things that we've talked about through uh, throughout the year. But, you know. They're really important ones to talk about because I think um, there were a few like standout, really big standout things this year that we all enjoyed thoroughly. Um, and one of those is The Haunting of Hill House. Um, so The Haunting of Hill House was a an 11 episode series on Netflix. It was on Netflix, right? Yeah, it was on Netflix. I think it's still on there. Is it still available? Yeah. And it's uh, it's about a family who went through a traumatic experience with a house. <laughs> um, and basically the way that this um, these experiences affected them later in life as adults. Um, I think that this show is one of the, if not the best best show I've like horror show I've ever seen between the writing, the production quality, the acting, the story and the effects, the show is like top notch in everything. 
And I think it I think it touches a lot of it touches on a lot of difficult topics. It also touches on a lot of various fun, spooky horror kind of gimmicks that we all enjoy. But it's also I don't want to give too much away, but it's also super unique, I think, in just the way that it tells its story. Yeah. And being able to enjoy like the scariness of a haunted house story alongside and paralleled with the terror of a family and some serious trauma you know this family's kind of crumbling and trying to hold themselves together and like those two things riding alongside each other just work out beautifully yeah and how unique each unique individual deals with that trauma Mm -hmm. too yeah it was really well done it was an amazing show and they're coming out with another season so we get to experience a new i think it's going to be sort of like the um uh, what is that one? Uh, it's based on a uh, turning of the screw, uh, which I think is a Shirley Jackson novel. Yeah, yeah, it's Shirley Jackson. But what's that other uh, horror show uh, where they do like the actors start to repeat, but they play different roles, like American Horror Story? Yeah, American Horror Story. I think they're gonna do something like that because they've announced several of the same actors, but that it's a different story this time around. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because the. Haunting of Hill House was Shirley Jackson, but then Turn of the Screw is another guy, Henry James. Oh, okay, okay. Which I didn't know that that's what that was. It's it's interesting. I think that American Horror Story did it well for a couple of seasons, and then the writing sort of fell off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely no fault of the actors. The actors did did very well there. I wasn't sure how the whole gimmick of like repeating actors in different roles would work, but it seems to work very well. Right. When it's done yeah. right and the material's good. So, yeah, for sure. So, I wonder if the house is going to be the central thing that connects the seasons. Hmm. That makes me think of um, we're playing a board game called uh, Betrayal in the House of the Hill, which is um, on its own is like my favorite board game, but then there's a legacy version where you play a family. Um, and like through the generations, your family has ties to this house and it's like a choose your own adventure kind of board game. Um, so depending on where you are in the house and what items you find, you have different stories and different monsters that you have to fight. Um, and so then the legacy version is told across 13 different rounds of this game. Sounds intense. (laughs) Oh, it's so much fun. (laughs) So number three is something called The Wind. Jackie, do you want to tell us about this? Yes, The Wind, which you can find on uh, Amazon Prime right now. Left alone on a prairie in the 1800s, a pioneer woman is slowly tortured by the wind. Scared already? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I found this because it was on um, a list, or rather, I I saw it in an article being called uh, the best horror film of 2019 so far. And I was like, really? I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Bold statement. That's a bold claim. (laughs) And I don't don't know that I would agree with that. Um, But I will say that the acting is fucking brilliant. And uh, there are some really incredible twists and turns in this. And it is absolutely worth seeing. Um, It's there's there's only so much you can do with a uh, four person cast in uh, two there's like Ooh. two buildings on a very flat prairie oh that's my favorite kind of thing i know it's like you, it, you can you can only imagine how much you can do with with that kind of mm-hmm. minimalist 
re- minimalist resources there. But holy shit, they pull it together so well. Yeah, the actors really have to bring it. Yeah, and they really do. That's awesome. I love that. I think some of the most impressive things I've seen have been super limited cast or like super limited setting. Yeah. It's so impressive when you see how the actors have to pull it off. Absolutely. For sure. And I love like period, you know, like gothic kind of old timey horror. Mm-hmm. There's another uh, one that I have on this list that is also based in the 1800s. And I've been pretending lately that they happen in the same universe. It feels like so classic, you know, when you see a movie like that now, because there's so much horror that we see that's in modern times now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it just like it just feels so much more fun and more like, I don't know. Yeah, and there's so much that hinges on like technology and yeah, and the modern right. modern times. Yeah, it is great to see uh, see them deal with you know those you know old time problems. Like at one point in the very beginning, uh, this woman she's trying to hang up just hang up some laundry to to dry, and she is suddenly surrounded by wolves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, oh no, <laughs> how do you solve that situation? <laughs> so, I mean, a good a good like three line clothesline is always a great setting for a spooky moment. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, of course, nobody has those anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, number four, Sierra, stand against evil. It's not stand against evil. No, it's stand against evil. Okay. <laughs> um, this is a three season TV show. And I'm realizing that a lot of things on my list are kind of like upbeat and fun, fun horror. I feel like we need that sometimes, though. I know. This one's definitely a a dark comedy kind of thing. This is um, a show that's created by Dana Gould, um, who's a comedian writer for The Simpsons. Um, So, of course, he's going to have that comedic air to it. It's like a monster of the week kind of show. Fun. The premise is that in a town, this town was built on a massive site where a bunch of witches were burned and so the their spirits have like cursed the land and they especially haunt the any of the like law enforcement because those are like the guys who did it you've already convinced me (laughs) so the main character is played by john c mcginley who was in um in scrubs he was dr cox that guy oh yeah uh-huh so he's this like old curmudgeon-y old like washed up sheriff who has to protect this town Against demons and witches. Uh, Yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. I'm already in it. (laughs) Um, This is all on Hulu right now. Um, So, yeah, it's a light, cheery kind of. It it reminds me of like um, kind of that Evil Dead campiness. Uh, Lots of cool practical effects and monster makeup. Nice. That's going right on my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. This is going to be a really fun 31 Days of Horror because I think there's stuff on um, on everybody's list this time that we like that other, you know, that we haven't all seen already. Yeah. I know, right? We're forced to get creative after four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's fun because we're learning about new things as well as, you know, w- along with the listeners. So number five, I'm going to talk about Good Omens. And this is another one that um, maybe Jackie will argue with me is more fantasy than horror. I don't know. <laughs> It is definitely not horror. <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, I mix I mix my fantasy and horror quite a bit. I feel like whenever there's anything that's like scary, death themed, you know, creatures, monsters, anything like that, then like I feel like it crosses the line between fantasy and horror. So in fairness, I I rope a lot of sci-fi in a horror, so I only have so much room to talk. Admittedly, the show didn't scare me. 
So I might be bending the rules a little bit, but God damn it, I want to talk about it. It's a fun show. <laughs> Anytime we get to talk about David Tennant, it's a good time. Right? Right? <laughs> uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen uh, are the main characters who play alongside each other. This was a uh, an Amazon Prime show. Um, and I was really excited about this. This is one of the panels, the really good panels that I got to see last year at Comic-Con. Uh, which is coming up next week. So like I'm reminded of, you know, the various things that I did last year. Um, and John Hamm is in this as well. So three of my favorite people. John Hamm is so good at playing a douchebag. <laughs> he is. He is. And he plays he plays Gabriel in this, which is like, you know, the angelist of the angels. The douchiest angel. <laughs> yeah. He's just basically like he's he's the most polished, like, you know. I'm better than everybody kind of angel. <laughs> and he plays it so well. This is so off the topic of horror, but his character really reminded me of The Good Place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. That like, which is just another show about like commentary on religion and yeah. how it can be really bullshit. <laughs> Good Omens is also based on the story uh, by Neil Gaiman. And Neil Gaiman was heavily involved in the making of the show. And Terry Pratchett. And Terry Pratchett, sorry. And so I think, I, you know, I think I, I read this book a really long time ago, so I can't really attest to how close it is, but I'm guessing it's pretty close. It's it's super close. Yeah, that's one of my favorite books. And it's I was really excited for this one, too. And it, it really they I think they did a really good job of bringing it to life there. I remember when they were on stage talking about it and, and kind of saying, like, they were not going to let this be done without it being super honorable to the book. So, um, but anyway, it's a really fun story of a, a demon and an angel who find out that Armageddon is coming. And um, frankly, they've been having way too much fun hanging out on Earth and they don't want it to happen. So um, they decide that they have to, it's time for them to team up and try to stop the Armageddon from happening. Um, and it's just this like constant rotation of silliness and ridiculous mishaps and <laughs> things that happen and it just it's just an absolute joy to watch and um and i love watching david Tennant strut around in super tight jeans catching things on fire <laughs> david Tennant as a demon mm -hmm. i do wish that uh terry pratchett was around long enough to have seen that become an adaptation though yeah yeah i, I think he would have been proud of that i don't know as much about terry pratchett as i know about neil gaiman admittedly he died a while back but uh I mean, he was an incredible writer. You should definitely check out more of his stuff if you uh, enjoyed that. I I think just, you know, this whole show rides on Michael Sheen and David Tennant's uh, charisma yeah. and chemistry. Yeah. And it is, it's flawless. <laughs> Which they have in strides. Yes, they do. So with that, let me bring you right back down. <laughs> it's a good thing that you guys have uh, fun things on your list because a lot of mine is such a fucking bummer. Number six is uh, Incident in a Ghost Land, which I have mentioned before, but it is definitely worth going on to the 31 Days of Horror here. Uh, you'll find this on Amazon Prime and Shudder. The premise is a woman and her two teenage daughters are moving into a recently deceased family member's house in the country, but are surprised by a couple of uh, intruders soon after getting there. This is genuinely one of, if not the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Um, a strong trigger warning for child violence. This is the kind of uh, movie that really sticks with you. I watched this like, I don't know, six months ago, and I have not stopped thinking about it. It's so fucked up. 
Um, one thing to note, the actress that plays the older sister in this, I actually found this out just a few weeks ago. Uh, at one point in the movie, something happens with a window breaking and she cuts her face uh, in the in the actual movie. But the stunt people didn't replace the window with the glass that should have been there for stunts. And the actress herself actually did split her face open. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Good thing there's cosmetic surgery now. <laughs> well, she, yeah, she got cosmetic surgery, oh, but she boy. still has a big scar and had to, she, like, she sued the production company and, yeah, seriously. like, it has fucked up her career over it. Like, this whole. Wow. But yeah, there, there's some fucked up things involved around the filming of, like, aside from that, fucked up things are involved around the filming of this, and the whole movie is messed up, and really it's just a nightmare that you should definitely watch. Good luck sleeping after this one. <laughs> I totally take your word on this one, Jackie. I don't know if I can get through this one, though. Honestly, Melissa, I would recommend you not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like between the sexual abuse and the child violence, this is not for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can't do it. Gotta be in the right headspace at the very yeah. least. <laughs> Woof. Sierra, number seven, The Staircase. I want to hear about this because this keeps popping up in my like recommended things on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this The Staircase is um, for folks who are fans of true crime. It's one that is pretty well known. But if you are not super into true crime stuff but want to learn more about it, like you've really liked um, the like you listen to Making a Murderer, you listen to my favorite murder and you want to like get into more this is like a really cool place to start um the staircase is the the story of or the trial of michael peterson who may or may not have killed his wife and so this was a documentary series that was uh recorded in two, two uh 2004 um And then in 2018, Netflix did three more episodes of it um, and released all of it. So you can watch it on Netflix. It's a really it's really interesting just based on like what they're allowed to film um, throughout the trial. There's a lot of footage that it's like, oh, wow, I'm surprised they even let crews in there to film this like true trial. And this guy, Michael Peterson, is this very like. He's a writer. He's um, this very, like, kind of charismatic, but kind of like, you know, everything is just nothing's my fault. Of course, it's not my fault. And his kids are very, like, on his side the whole time. Um, And so as you're watching it, you're like, oh, of course, that's, like, reasonable uh, when you hear him explain it. And then, like, you take a step back or, like, a day later, you're like, wait a second. Nah, that the husband totally did it. He totally killed his wife. <laughs> but there's like all kinds of theories around it. And he served some time. He's out um, on probation, I think, now, which is like when they were filming the continuation. So he's a little bit so guilty? So it's also interesting. Just a little bit. Okay. Um, and then there's also this, there's a huge fuck up in the court, too, because the um, so some of the prosecutors like just did a terrible job with forensics and like they looking back on it now it's like oh of course this is like totally done wrong um so it could just be that like he totally did it but then the case was mishandled and then there's all these like really weird coincidences um throughout the throughout the story that you hear about one of the kids decides that her father isn't innocent and she's like what's the word of like 
not exercised from the family, but she's like cast out. Excommunicated? Yeah, she's like, she goes off and um, the, the woman who died, her sister is like kind of leading the case against this guy. Um, and it's also very cool to see, um, you know, 14 years later, he's been in prison. Now he's this like frail old man. And you can see the toll that this takes on him, his life and like his family around him. And and then also just the kind of tonal shift of like, well, now we can look back on the case with a with more information too, and see that like this was handled poorly. And so um, it's, it's one of my favorites. There's a, there's a lot of weird theories around it too. There's a theory that an owl came in, in the house and like attacked the woman and killed her. And that's how she got (laughs) these like very specific injuries. (laughs) Um, Like he go, like he's so adamant that he did not kill her, but then there are so many ways that it's like, there are only so many ways that she could like get these. She should have checked her mail, right? <laughs> right. That's <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you don't check the mail. <laughs> I mean, the owl. I just <laughs> no. It's it's uh it's one of those. It's a case that like kind of I think of it as like John Benet Ramsey of like people kind of know a little bit about it or maybe know they they maybe know a ton about it if they're really into true crime, but like this series is really accessible and very like as soon as you watch one episode you want to watch all of it because this there's clearly something off about this guy it's crazy to look at the imbd Mm -hmm. when you look at it because if you're not familiar with this it says 13 episodes and then it says tv series 2004 through 2018 (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. like that's a wide stretch for a tv show (laughs) right Uh, sierra how much uh how much terrible recreation stuff should i prepare myself for in this it's not awful. It's not cheesy. Like the the recreation stuff that they show is more just like the forensics experts coming in and being like, okay, so basically what they're saying is she fell down the stairs. And so how could she have fallen down the stairs, leaving these like blood patterns? Okay. Um for it to make sense. There's not like repeated like terrible reenactments of like a lady going, oh. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Number eight, I want to talk about a movie called Annihilation, which I believe I talked about on the show at one point. Um, I don't remember if either of you saw this movie. No. I did. Or not. It's so pretty. <laughs> it's very pretty. Um, so this is a really weird sci-fi. Like we had a discussion in the house over whether this was horror or not, but there are some really cool monsters in this, so I'm calling it horror. Sci-fi horror. It's a it's a story about a biologist who sets up a uh, like a secret expedition into this weird zone. Um, I can't remember what they call it. They call it like the glimmer. I think this like strange. It, it kind of looks like you know how when you blow like those giant bubbles for little kids and you see that like shimmer of like colors, like the bubble makes kind of like the colors that are constantly moving and shifting. Yeah. Um, it kind of looks like that, like it's a space, like it's a large space, geographical space that's encased inside like a huge bubble or something. And weird things happen inside this space. Um, and uh, they're, they keep sending people in to try to figure it out and people don't come back. And the space is getting bigger and bigger, too. It's like growing outwards. Yeah. And the space keeps growing. Nice. Right. Um, and this this movie stars Natalie Portman, um, Tessa Thompson, Jennifer Jason Lee, and 
Oscar Isaac. There's quite a cast of really good actors in this film. What year was this film made? 2018 it came out. Oh, really? I thought it was a lot older than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's weird. I remember everybody like, you know, I remember people talking about it when the trailers were out and then it just kind of like nobody talked about it. Weird. But I thought it was incredible. Um, It's really, it's got that really cool sci-fi feeling of like, you know, people are trying to science something that you have this like, (laughs) there's no science for this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you have this like gut feeling the whole time that like, oh, these guys are not figuring this out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever this is, they don't have it. They don't have a grasp on it. They're not sciencing correctly. No, no, they're not sciencing it right. It's not working. They they need to science better. Yeah. Um, but it's fabulous. And one of the greatest things about it is um that the the team that this uh the film really focuses on, the team that Natalie Portman leads is an all female team. I'm not sure that they ever give a good reason for that besides that it's something they haven't tried yet with sending all women in. But it's pretty fun to watch all these women with big guns go in and try to like <laughs> kick the shit out of scary monsters that are inside nice and there's some that's one of my also one of my favorite things about this is that when the monsters show up like the makeup is so cool the Mm -hmm. it looks it i don't know if it is i might be wrong about this but it looks to me like very like physical makeup awesome like yeah there's some really cool monsters in here um you know it's definitely got a like a weird like existential mind-bending kind of story behind it so you know it wants you to think about stuff when you're watching it. It's a smart sci-fi film, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely worth seeing. And I think I'm I, I'm looking forward to going back and watching it again because it is a really beautiful film. It's beautifully shot, full of great acting, cool and cool beasts and stuff, beasties. So let's see. Number nine is Byzantium. This is part of my. Uh vampire kick (laughs) the never-ending vampire kick (laughs) yeah never speaking (laughs) of the whole vampire kick i did go ahead and sign up for shutter to watch livid and uh it disappeared from shutter within two days of me signing up and i didn't get a chance to fucking watch it and i'm pissed about it so this is a conspiracy (laughs) would you say that you're livid jackie i am fucking livid i sorry i just (laughs) needed to get that out there all right it's off my chest byzantium Byzantium is uh, about two vampire women, uh, young women, uh, except, you know, they're vampires that are centuries old, uh, making it through the ages, century after century, and uh, they turn to prostitution to make a living. Um, Really, one of them is a prostitute, and she kind of opens a brothel, is what, what I mean by they turn to prostitution. What's unique about this particular story is there's an extremely unique turning process for the vampires, uh, which I I love that in a vampire story. You know, there's always the classic, you know, bite on the neck, drink each other's blood kind of shit. But when there's something that differs from that, that classic trait, it always catches my attention in vampire stories. And this one is one I have never seen anything like before. Uh, this stars uh, Gemma uh, Archerton, uh, Saoirse Ron- uh, Ronan, and Caleb Landry-Jones, and they have phenomenal chemistry between them, especially uh, Saoirse Ronan and Caleb Landry-Jones. And something about Landry-Jones is just like intrinsically romantic, and I can't quite put my finger on it. That sounds perfect for vampires. Yeah, per- exactly. And he and Saoirse just like... 
they mesh so well together on screen, and I I love it. But there's not a whole lot of gore in this, so if you if you want like a, I don't I don't really know. Like I want to call it fun, but it's not fun. It's <laughs> kind of romantic. It's kind of sweet, and it's it's definitely got its its unique charm. If you want a, a a vampire movie that you definitely haven't seen before, this would be one for that. I think what is particularly unique about this is that these vampires need to make a living. Yeah. <laughs> right? They aren't just rich. <laughs> I just assume that all vampires could just steal whatever the fuck they want, and they don't have to have a job anymore once they become vampires. Right. So you, you're kind of blowing my mind with this whole concept <laughs> of vampires that have to have a job. Right. To me, it's like, why didn't you invest in something back in the like Industrial Revolution, you know? But um, with these particular uh, women, they actually go back and... Um, talk about when they were turned back in, I think it was the 1800s, and the kind of tribulations that they faced as women back then. And I, that's also something that's very unique to that story. So that's, that's another thing that's very interesting to watch here. Well, Interview with the Vampire lied to me, obviously. They really did. Because <laughs> they just moved into other people's houses and <laughs> they straight up their just stuff. <laughs> ate everyone. They did. And they were always rich because yep. they just stole somebody's stuff all the time. <laughs> Sierra, I've heard about Ready or Not, but I don't know anything about this movie. Yes. I think I mentioned it on a fairly recent episode, but I really want people to watch it. It's about a family who has this, you know, famous board game company and they've had this you know through generations the the son is the heir to this you know this board game fortune and the son finds uh the perfect girl for him she's like very authentic she's real she's like not uh, like super bougie like his family is like they're all really stuffy and rich um and so he proposes they get married at this their big mansion and then the family brings her in after the ceremony, after the big party, and says, okay, well, it's our family's tradition that we play a game, and then you'll be part of the family. And so it turns out the the family has made a deal with the devil. Always fun. And they have to play this game, and the devil decides if they have to sacrifice the new person. <laughs> and so, of course, in this movie, this girl is chosen to be sacrificed. Uh, so she's she and her husband are trying to get trying to escape this. Uh, she's, of course, pissed that he didn't tell her that this was going to happen. To his credit, they had gone uh, like many marriages without this happening. Like they just had to play a normal game and it was fine. Um, but hide and seek is the game that like they they have to like give. That's the deal that they made with this devil years and years ago. Um, and it's so satisfying. The ending is super good. Um, it's very, very strong in the like final girl trope. Um, she's super badass. It's also her like, you know, trying to reconcile her relationship with her new husband and his family that she thought she wanted to like her. But now she's like learning that they're all evil, horrible people um, and she's trying to escape. And she's really smart. She she does that. She doesn't. There aren't moments in the movie where you're like, "Oh my god, you're being so stupid! Don't do that." Um, she does everything that you would think to do. I love that. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it it was just in theaters. I think it'll probably be coming out streamable sometime in October would be my guess. Um, but we saw this one in the theater. It was super fun. It sounds hilarious. I feel like it's the kind of like I kept hearing the name and hearing people mention it, but I, I didn't really have like a description of it before. So I didn't know what it was. It's a, it's a classical deal with the devil movie. <laughs> deal with the devil. <laughs> I like. I appreciate how many of Sierra's uh, things have comedy in them so far. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Bring in the funny. Number eleven is one that I felt could not be le- left off of this list, even though we've talked about it, and that is Hereditary. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. You must live in a cave if you haven't heard of it at this point. <laughs> um, Hereditary is the kind of movie that I think people were talking about, like the second it was available to see. Anybody who saw it was talking about it. Whether you loved it or hated it, um, I feel like this movie, it it's like you can't see this movie without being fucked up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it'll affect <Yeah>. you. <laughs> it'll affect you. Um, yeah, it'll stick with you. Um, there are still images from this film that every time I think of it, you know, um, I can't get out of my head. And they, I think that this movie excels at building tension. Um, which is, you know, what every good horror movie should do, but some are better than others at it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this movie, I felt like through the entire thing, like my neck hurt because I was so tense. Like, ah, uh, whether it's from social anxiety tension or like, <laughs> or like weird sound tension or, you know, weird lighting tension. There was so much tension in this movie. Yeah. And it's, it's basically about, uh, it's basically about a family who are grieving. I don't know how else to explain this. A family who are grieving and have a lot of weird mm-hmm. shit happening inside their family um, and around them. And yeah, and each person in this family is weird <laughs> in their own special way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and they're weird with each other. <laughs> it's just weird. It's so weird. <laughs> But I think that this movie was amazing in that it did it did do something completely unique and 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 odd. And as much as I some like a part of me hates watching these kind of movies that keep me so tense, like that my teeth hurt when it's over, I also really appreciate the level of, you know, writing and creative acting and and careful, careful direction that goes into making something like that to kind of like building that tension and not letting it slip throughout the whole film yeah so yeah i think this movie does that beautifully number 12 is something called spring spring is this a happy movie jackie uh like spring flowers spring may flowers kind of (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit after losing pretty much everything he had left in life doesn't sound happy there does it um, a man goes on a transformative trip across Europe and meets a mysterious woman in Italy. Um, this I thought was going to be a vampire movie. It was part of my vampire phase. I'll put it that way. It's quirky and romantic and it's well written. I really don't want to give a lot away here. Uh, the The two lead actors have uh, really good on on screen chemistry here. Uh, the banter between them is a uh, part of the, is really part of the best part about this. Uh, the little side conversations, the little quips back and forth, are just really, really, really well written here. 
it's kind of like a finding yourself kind of story, but also finding love at the same time. But also maybe that that love is seriously fucked up. It's a lot of fun and it's funny, but it's also creepy as fuck and uh, also a little bit horrific. I think it's uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting there. Number 13, Sierra. Number 13. Yep. Because it's Elijah Wood. I know. Um, so this is a movie called Cooties. It came out in about 2015, 2014, 2015. Oh, throwing it back. I know. Continuing on the horror comedy, um, you can watch it on Hulu right now. Um, it is Elijah Wood is a uh, school teacher. Um, he's a substitute and he is, you know, teaching. It's about him, like, you know, trying to be the cool teacher and then... <laughs> There's a infected chicken nugget that uh, one of the kids at the school eats, and it turns it into a zombie, kind of a zombie, kind of like a infected, you know, just hyper violent cannibal. Um, and so all of the kids become zombies, and it's the teachers have to like try to survive, and they have a couple of students that they're trying to protect. It's really fun. <laughs> I watched that recently myself. Yeah, it has Rain. It has Rain Wilson and Jack McBriar in it. Uh, Allison Pill, uh, a lot of good comedic actors. I think this movie's super fun as well. I love it. We just finished rewatching uh, all of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and so I could use to see Elijah Wood like smile. <laughs> <laughs> Feel so bad for the little guy. Yeah. Okay, number fourteen is Chernobyl which we have talked about like a zillion times, so I won't spend too much time on it. Um, but it's amazing. We have to mention it. And I believe that um, they also took home the Emmy last night for Best Drama. Nice. It's a historical drama uh, based on the explosion of the Chernobyl nuclear plant in the uh, Soviet Union in 1986. And it is a beautifully shot, beautifully made just exquisite detail went into this um this series um oh it's on hbo sorry i should have mentioned that it's available on hbo um but so much work and detail went into the series to make it as accurate as possible yeah and i think it's really really interesting especially to those of us who were a little too young to really know much about it at the time that this was happening which i know i was i was alive but i was like i don't know 11 years old or something <laughs> and it's really, really interesting to see inside of kind of like the politics and the relationships and the mistakes and all the things that happened. Mista mistakes. You didn't see any graphite, Melissa. There was no graphite. No, <laughs> there was no explosion. There was no <laughs> graphite. <laughs> but it's incredible. And I think especially for Americans um, to watch this and sort of, you know, it's it feels so alien to see. Like, we, we, you know, we all expect our government to do, like, some shady shit, right? When something bad happens. But we don't really understand how the Soviet Union works. Right. On that level. Oh, my God. Right. It's a whole different level of, like, hushing that happens. And everyone's involved in it. And everyone thinks it's important for the rest of the world to not think you've mess made a, a big mistake. And so it's really... Uh, jarring and and affecting to understand like how many different people made the wrong choices in this situation um, that essentially created a much bigger disaster than what it could have been. 
In terms of Emmys last night, the one for a limited series, uh, writing for a limited series and directing for a limited series. Nice. Yeah. Deserved it. So it's a it's a beautiful show. It's a mini series. It's only what it's like six episodes or something. It's pretty short. Five episodes. They're long episodes, but, you know, it's it's well worth seeing. And I'm going to consider it a part of uh, horror because it's fucking horrific. (laughs) 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 What happens? Uh, Yeah. And I think the one thing that I I don't think I talked about as much on the show before is that the sound design of this is just genius. Really is. There's a scene in which they um, send some workers down into a flooded area of the factory um, to do something. And they're, I can't remember what those things are called, the uh, radioactive like meters. Geiger, Geiger meter. Yeah, the Geiger something. Yeah, the meters. And they're supposed to let them know like when they all go into this knowing that there's a, you know, a death inducing amount of radioactivity in there. They know that when they mm-hmm. walk in the door, but they have these Geiger and they're, and they're in the dark and their flashlights stop working. And these Geiger meters are just, they're making that like, it starts with like a beep and an occasional kind of like click, 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 click. And then it just gets higher and faster until by the end of the episode, there's like five minutes straight of this like frantic high pitch, like just like constant. And I remember just when that episode ended, I was like, oh God, my head. Yeah. Because just like that sound, it just fills you with immense dread and fear because you know what that sound means. It means, you know, nobody's going to live through that shit. <laughs> no, nobody hears that kind of a sound coming out of a, 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 a meter and and walks out away from it. So, um, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Um, number 15 is Barry. And I'm super excited to hear about this because I know who's in it and I want to see it, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah. So Barry is a series on HBO right now. Uh, and actually, uh, Bill Hader just won uh, Best Lead Actor uh, in the Emmys last night for this. Yay! The premise is, while on assignment, a hitman realizes his true calling in life is acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This, I would say, is one part horror, three parts comedy. Uh, It stars Bill Hader, Stephen Root, Anthony Kerrigan, and uh, Henry Winkler. Uh, This really just has incredible writing, uh, brilliant acting. Just overall, it's it's fantastic. It's fun. It's witty. It's it's really it's hilarious. Um, It it also deals with really complex topics like PTSD, and um, it's bizarre. In, in a lot of ways um, that it deals with that sort of stuff, but uh, it, it works so, so incredibly well. And I can't, I can't stress how, I cannot stress how incredible Bill Hader is in this. Like, I'm, I, I really can't think of anything that I've disliked Bill Hader in, but really he's just over the top, top incredible in this. And I think he wrote and directed it too. Like, I want to say this is really his passion project. Yeah. Um, I've seen the first season, but not the second, but oh my God, I love it. Oh my God. (laughs) I can't. Yeah. It's hard to handle how hilarious they are, but also there is a lot of horror elements to this Mm because at heart, he is a fucking hitman. So, you know. Yeah. It's horrific. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I remember, I think it was, this started when Game of Thrones was still on and I remember there being jokes about like you know hey everybody after game of thrones is off 
stay and watch Barry. (laughs) (laughs) And like, like people trying, like, you know, jokes about like trying to get people to pay attention to Barry because Game of Thrones was wrapping up and, you know, everybody was obsessing Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. You can keep your subscription. (laughs) And just kind of the joke was, hey, Barry's a great show too, you know? If you watch Last Week Tonight, John Oliver makes that joke over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now that I'm not obsessing about Game of Thrones anymore, mostly, (laughs) I can get on and watch Barry. Uh, Sierra, what's number 16? I've never heard of this. Number 16 is another TV show. This is kind of a hidden gem, I might say. Um, Tucker's mom actually turned us on to this show. It's called Lodge 49. Um, You can watch it on Hulu. It might be HBO. We have HBO through Hulu, so I'm not 100% if it's which one, but... It's kind of conspiracy theory e. If you're like me and you have an overactive imagination and you walk by like the Freemasons kind of temple or like these like weird secret societies, you think, oh, they're clearly nefarious and up to no good. And there's like what's going on behind those doors when really it's probably just like a bunch of old white guys like being racist <laughs> and just like hanging around. But this this show, um, explores like okay well what would that like kind of mystical um you know like super generational knowledge passed down through this like secret society like what would that look like and it follows this uh kind of burnt out um kind of a loser surfer guy um who his dad dies and his dad's business he worked at his dad's business so like Along with losing his family, he also lost, like, all stability in his life. And so he turns to this club to find kind of, you know, okay, what, who are my people? What's going to, what am I going to do with my life now? And he's, like, clearly looking for answers. And he falls into this, like, conspiracy, basically. And um, I've watched the first season. The new season just started last month. And so I'm super excited to see what happens because there's, like, There's weird, like, you feel like, okay, this is normal. This is fine. This is just, like, a normal story. And then, like, something weird and bizarre and, like, coincidental will happen in it. And then it's these people, these, like, very real-life characters trying to make sense of these, like, very weird mystical things happening around them. Hmm. Sounds fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Sierra, are you planning to join in the raid on Area 51? Ooh, I wish. (laughs) It already happened. Did it? Oh, I didn't even notice that it... Whoops. <laughs> Did people actually show up to it? Yeah. Oh. Oh. A couple people got arrested. Well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was a thing that was supposed to happen, but I figured Sierra would know more than me. <laughs> no, I saw people planning for it and people being like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> and then Sierra's like, I have internet at home now. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll live stream it. <laughs> Other people can get arrested. Oh, Jackie. Can we talk about number 17? Yes. Number 17 is Gris, which is a video game, uh, which is uh, on Steam and Switch right now. This is a hauntingly gorgeous game about coping with loss. Uh, This is a puzzle and walking uh, simulator style game that is just amazingly beautiful. And it really tugs at the feels there. It, It is, there's a lot to 
process cerebrally here in this kind of game. Like it doesn't, you're not going to get like a guide that says you have experienced a loss. You should feel like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you really have to work through these beautiful watercolor images uh, to it, it. It's all about atmospheric feelings pretty much. I love this game so much. I actually, I thought about putting it on my list and I somehow convinced myself not to and then you had it so I was like okay I'm, I'm, I'll put it on the list now <laughs> um, I love it so much I love the the feeling that I got from it was like the beginning of the game was sort of the witnessing of of her loss and her falling apart mm-hmm. and then throughout the game felt like you were kind of slowly putting her back together piece by piece yeah Like going through the steps of recovery and, you know, and those steps included like anger and like fear and all of these different things um, that you had to experience alongside. But it is a beautiful, stunningly beautiful game. I love the art in this game so much. I think I have like a million screenshots of it on my Switch. Yeah, honestly, I would I would purchase, uh, you know, posters of the art from this game. It is so fucking gorgeous. There were so many moments that were like, that's a beautiful piece of art. That's a beautiful piece of right. art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because a client asked me if I played, tried to explain this to me the other day in, in the salon and she called it Grease. Oh. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And she's like, haven't you played Grease? I'm like, I don't think so. And she started explaining it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've played that game. I didn't want to make her feel bad. So I didn't tell her that I don't think it's pronounced Grease. Right. But- <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, I definitely played that game, but it's not Greece. <laughs> this is my favorite kind of games. I like games that like you can kind of wander through a game and find things on your own and like figure it out and it's it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. The fact that you're wandering through a watercolor landscape collecting stars and solving puzzles is just so very my entire mood in life that like, I, <laughs> I just, like, I feel like it was meant for me sometimes. <laughs> well, and it doesn't, it doesn't hold your hand too much either, which a lot of games like this do sometimes. They, they only let you go, like, to certain things, you know, in yeah. certain places. This one, like, there were a few times when I was confused and I wasn't sure, like, could I get over that thing or do I have to go below it? Or can I go back to where I was before? You know, like, there were, like, so many open spaces to wander around in that I wasn't ever quite sure like what I was supposed to be doing next but you know somehow you find your way there and and that kind of works with the theme right it's like yeah. there's not there's not a defined path to get through loss and tragedy it's just you have to find your way a little bit at a time yeah exactly yeah I'd like to remind everyone that Clue the movie is wonderful <laughs> <laughs> number 18 <laughs> truly the pinnacle of comedy kind of horror but also like we're we're stretching a little bit but oh it's so much fun (laughs) it's such a good movie that you like think you're gonna put on in the background and then you just end up watching all of it and completely forgetting about whatever else you thought you were gonna do that night (laughs) and also we have the we have the soundtrack on vinyl (laughs) <laughs> which is also highly recommended. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Mondo did a, a release of it and we have the Colonel Mustard one. So we have a mustard colored vinyl of it. I someday I will, I promise the, the universe, I will do a murder mystery party and we'll just play it on loop. 
Sierra, I love that you have that. Yeah, it's, I love it a lot. I'm just laughing because even though I went through this whole list and I moved these things around a bunch of times, I didn't realize that Clue the movie was actually <laughs> Clue the movie. I thought this was like it's some Clue other movie. movie that I haven't heard of. No, it's Clue the movie. <laughs> I guess I should just call it Clue, but in my head, it's always Clue the movie. Oh, God. Oh, it's so good. I'm not making, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not explaining any more of my choices on this list. <laughs> No apologies. (laughs) (laughs) Not going back from that one. Okay. (laughs) Jackie, number 19, Bone bone Tomba. Bone Tomahawk. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Number 19, Bone Tomahawk is on uh, Amazon Prime video right now. This is the other one that's set in the in the 1800s. This is set in the late 1800s. So I like to pretend it's in the same universe as the wind, but it doesn't really have a lot to do with the same topic. Just, you know, same kind of period piece. In the late 1800s, a woman is abducted while tending to the bullet wound of an inmate. And she's abducted along with that inmate and the deputy. And this prompts her husband, the sheriff, and two others to venture into the unknown territory of a brutal native tribe to attempt a rescue. I don't want to give anything away on this. Um, I'll say that the stars Kurt Russell and Patrick Wilson, David Arquette makes an appearance and that the writing is really clever. Um, I would highly suggest not watching this with young people around. It does get a bit graphic. But I'm not going to say anything more than that. You know, if you want to watch a uh, very bizarre Western with uh, Kurt Russell and Patrick Wilson. And Matthew Fox from Lost. Yeah. And uh, pop on into Bone Tomahawk there because you will not be disappointed. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like Ryan watched this one in the basement one day when I wasn't watching with him. And the only thing he told me about it was that it was really cool, but it was super brutal. Yeah, you, this is one of those that, like, I, I don't want to give too much away because, you know, it's it, it'll it ruin it. And I was watching it with my headphones on next to Drew while he was working, and I fucking yelped <laughs> <laughs> while watching it. And, like, Drew looked over, and he saw a couple of things that I wish he hadn't seen before he watched the whole movie. Uh, but it still it didn't take away the whole thing for him. He still enjoyed it when he watched the whole movie. But I, I really wish he had seen it fresh because when when I saw it fresh, I mean, I you can imagine I'm not exactly the kind of person that's going to yelp at a lot of fucking horror movies. But oh, my God, mm-hmm. I yelped. You guys, I yelped. <laughs> <laughs> Number 20, Hell House LLC, limited liability corporation (laughs) it wouldn't be uh, 31 days of horror if there wasn't a suggestion from me that was a shitty found footage film (laughs) (laughs) it's your specialty this is yep i got i got a brand to keep up (laughs) this is one that you can watch on amazon prime it is about uh, a haunted house that is like an actual like they do it up as a haunted house um, that and then it turns out it's actually haunted and a bunch of people die and there's like misinformation about like, oh, was it just an accident or was it something paranormal? And so then this group of dumb teens goes in with their cameras and they have, they're gone and investigating and that's what the movie is. Awesome. And it's super fun. Yeah. Is it bad? It's 
it's so bad it's good i love it i love it (laughs) (laughs) and i know that there's uh two abaddon's hotel out and uh there's a three as well Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I've almost clicked on all three of them within this past week. So I'm I was actually really excited to see this on your list so I can hear more about it. Okay, yeah, you should watch the first one all at right, least. Cool. I can't vouch for a sequel or a, a third one, but... I'm going to jump right into 21 here. Yeah, what's number 21, Jack? Okay, so I had plans last night. I didn't get those plans done because <laughs> I clicked on number 21 here, Marianne, <laughs> on Netflix. Freaking five hours later... Oh, my God. (laughs) Marianne is a series on Netflix right now. It's a French series. And uh, we're not all the way through it. We're like most of the way through it. But holy shit. Um, A young horror writer goes home to find that the witch that was in her dreams and that she based her books on is running around in real life just fucking everything up. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. Like this waste Oh my god, it wastes no time getting into the spooky shit. Like, right off the bat, this is so disturbing and so awesome. And it just, I can't really express to you how much I love this series just right off the bat here. Is it French and subtitles? It's French and dubbed. Oh, okay. Netflix has been doing that a lot lately with uh, shows that they uh, make in other countries. However, when you... Go to watch it um, and any other shows that they do like do like that, like uh, Dark or 3% or anything like that. I would highly recommend putting on the captions anyway, because there are some translation uh, discrepancies between the dubbing and the closed captioning. So the closed captioning just helps you really understand the full situation there, whereas the dubbing might be a little bit off. Is it like dark though like i remember watching i think i said this on the show before i remember watching dark and like the words were so different it was hard to like keep track of what they were saying because i was reading it and hearing different things in english it's a it's it's a little bit different um it's not it's not like super different um i'd like i didn't find it distracting it gave more context basically than rather than taking away from it this might make somebody that's listening upset, but I don't think so because I think we're all kind of on the same page with this. But I just want to note that I just Googled this so I could look it up. Mm-hmm. And the top result is Marion Netflix official site. The second listing is Marion Williamson's website. Marion Williamson? Um, she is the spiritual self-help writer who decided to join the Democratic race this year. Oh, goodness. Oof. Yes. She she believes she's going to beat Donald Trump with love. <laughs> um, she is listed in the middle of the Wikipedia listing and the Netflix site for this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, aside from her... Uh, the, uh, Which I find hilariously ironic. <laughs> the uh, older actress that plays um, the, the witch... I don't know where the fuck they found her, but she is amazing. Like, oh my God, she's amazing. This whole thing is like really disturbing. And there's definitely some body horror going on here. I'm going to warn you that. Sierra, there is a little bit of vomiting. Just going to throw that out there. Thank you. Thank you for the heads up. It's it's worth it. Oh my God, it's so badass. We we just, like, we really did have plans last night and got to none of them. <laughs> is the witch really nasty looking? 
Like, is she really scary? She's she herself isn't nasty looking, but the way she uh, the things that she does and the way she acts, it's it's upsetting. It is like, oh, like really kind of set your teeth on edge kind of acting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> I love it. Ugh. I hate it and I love it. Sierra is cracking me up with these recommendations on this list. <laughs> what the hell, Sierra? Seriously, I love this next one. I haven't I haven't seen it since the 90s and I love it. Okay, good. I was going to be like, you haven't seen it? Number 22 is Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which you can watch on Prime right now. And I'm bringing it up because there was a Killer Clowns from Outer Space maze at Halloween Horror Nights at Universal which we didn't get to go this year or are not planning to go this year. But it it looks like from what I'm seeing, the killer clowns is like stealing the show and everybody's all about it right now. So I'm really excited about it. This was one that like my friend Kiana and I found this movie and it was like just this hidden gem that her and I shared and it was super fun. It's such a classic. We thought it was hilarious and great. And it's, I mean, the the plot of the movie is the title. Like, it's about killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's kind of all you need to know. Number 23 is something called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Yes. They're not afraid. <laughs> they are not. <laughs> I have seen this, like, advertised and talked about all over the place. And I have this uh, annoying habit. Uh, at least my husband thinks it's annoying that if somebody talks about something a lot, I will not watch it. I do the same thing. <gasps> I'm the same way. Oh, my gosh. Tucker gets so mad. <laughs> does that mean that we're hipsters? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, oh, unfortunately. But um, so then I, I started the whole the Shutter uh, subscription thing, and it was right there, front and center, like this big-ass banner ad for it. I'm like, fine. You know what? fine and i put it on and you guys it's kind of changed me a bit it's about children orphaned by the mexican drug war and they band t- together in an attempt to survive and to try to retaliate against the gang that killed their parents and trafficked their friends and in this process they also have three wishes and strongly believe in fairy tales so first of all Big, gigantic, fat warning, trigger warning for uh, child violence. Yeah, that one's kind of obvious. <laughs> Melissa, I'm going to go ahead and recommend that you not watch this. I already decided I'm not going to. Yeah, although it it is really a phenomenal movie. It's honestly, if I had to rank the ones that I put on this list this year, this would be at the top. Um, if you did try to watch it, just br- bring some tissues with you here. It is so extremely layered, and it is also massively heartbreaking. As I mentioned, the kids have wishes. There are ghosts and zombies involved. There's political intrigue. uh, But it's all pulled together in such a beautifully cohesive and haunting way that it's just like... It's like saying those words together don't make sense. When you're watching the movie, you don't really think about that because it's all it, the the story is pieced together so nicely that it, it really it fits very well. And you're just so entranced into that world and just hoping everybody gets out the way you want them to. All right. Number 24 is Elevation. Yeah. So this one is by the king. 
It's a Stephen King short story um, that came out this year. It's based in Castle Rock, uh, which, of course, is the setting of the TV show. But this doesn't relate directly to the TV show. Um, But if you watched it and you liked it and you want to, like, have, you know, some more stories of what kind of weird stuff goes on in that town, um, I recommend it. It's like I read it in a night. It's a super easy read. And right now they're. I think there's only a hardback version, but it's very beautiful. It has a great dust jacket illustration. And then throughout the chapters, there's really beautiful illustrations. So I'm definitely glad that I invested in the book itself. But it's about a guy who just realizes that he's getting lighter and lighter, but not losing any weight or anything. He's just like physically getting lighter and he will stand on a scale and Every day, it's just less and less, and he'll stand on the scale with, like, a roll of quarters or, like, a bunch of quarters in his pockets, and he'll still just be less and less. Like, there's nothing that can weigh him down. And so it's him trying to figure out with this doctor friend, like, what the hell is going on with him? And then running concurrently is this woman who is his neighbor, who is, uh, in a she's married to a woman, she's lesbian who's running a business in this town and the people are they aren't welcoming at all like they aren't running her out of town but they're like we don't want to know like you don't need to flaunt that you're a lesbian like we don't you can just keep that to yourself kind of thing and so he um befriends her and so then together it's about their relationship as friends and then her dealing with this town and him dealing with this crazy weird illness and it's and it all wraps up like kind of satisfyingly um it wraps up the way you think it would wrap up not to spoil it too much but um it's a very nice little little read very cool yeah number 25 is not horror (laughs) 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 it looks spooky it looks fun and spooky but i'd say it's spooky um and i really want to tell everybody about it because i do think it's important to have some family-friendly horror on our list um, which tends to mean, you know, spooky, not scary, because it's for kids. And we like them to sleep and not stay up all night screaming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is an adorable little cartoon called Hilda. It's currently on Netflix. Um, it is the sweetest thing I've ever seen in my life. It is, um, I've been telling like every client who comes in with a little kid that they need to watch this. Uh, Let's see. Hilda follows the adventures of a fearless blue-haired girl as she travels from her home in a vast magical wilderness full of elves and giants to the bustling city of Chalberg, where she meets new friends and mysterious creatures who are stranger and more dangerous than she expected. Hilda um, has all kinds of really fun, weird creatures in it, um, including elves who don't do anything without the proper paperwork (laughs) Uh, they make you fill out paperwork for everything um one of the weirdest little creatures i think in this is a strange little wooden guy he's just like a guy made out of wood with like big black holes for eyes and he just like wanders into our house randomly doesn't say a word and like sits in front of our fire and reads books (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> um i don't yeah she like she can't he doesn't say anything he just like comes in when he feels like it and then leaves when he feels like it like really cute little big giant trolls that she has to try to like sneak around she's got this little pet who's like a little um fox with antlers i don't know what it is but it's adorable there's like flying fluffy teddy bear things 
Um, it's just like packed full of weird, spooky little creatures. Um, but the thing I love most about Hilda is that it actually deals really, really um, gracefully with the concept of social anxiety in children. Hilda goes through a really hard time when she has to move into the city with her mom. She essentially has like animals and creatures for friends. And for the first time in her life, she has to make actual human friends and she's just terrified. Um, and it's the, the scariest thing that's ever happened to this little girl who hangs out with giants and elves is that she has to make people friends. No. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really, it's really nice. The show deals with, um, the, her social anxieties in a really, really sweet, gentle kind of way. And, you know, amongst it all, she's having all these, like, weird adventures with creepy, spooky little critters. So, it's super fun. Um, We kind of stumbled on it really randomly one day, Max and I, and ended up, like, both of us, like, fell in love with it. And we watched all the way through. Um, And I've since watched it a couple more times with other friends. I haven't seen it, so. And you said that's on Netflix? Yep, it's on Netflix right now. I think they're still adding episodes to it because, uh, let's see, see, and it says there's a season two premiere in 2020, so it looks like there's a whole other season coming. Ooh. But there's currently 14 episodes. Okay, number 26, Jackie, take it away. Last shift on Shudder. Uh, a rookie cop spends her first shift as the very last shift to be worked in a transitional police station. It doesn't take long for her to feel like she's just not alone there. This is the kind of uh, horror film that's not going to win any awards. It's uh, it's not, you know, one of those brilliantly written, going to tell everybody in the world about it kind of thing. But it is just good, basic, creepy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're just sitting around, you're like, you know, I want to watch some really messed up, creepy nonsense right now. You can flip this on and it'll be a, a fun watch here. There is a lot of body, a lot of body horror in this. So I will go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, it's a classic haunting story that gets a, gets nice and dark and gory and evil just right off the bat. Uh, this is another one that wastes no time at all getting into the creepy shit. And the really good thing about this is that it never lets up. Like there is no awkward stretch of why is it so quiet why is it so boring no it just this poor woman has such a fucking night ahead of her so this is this is a lot of fun um not a brilliant brilliantly written piece but definitely a whole lot of fun i don't think i i'm trying to think like i don't think i've ever seen a whole lot of stories uh haunting stories that revolve around cops yeah this is one of the only ones i've seen for sure and I'm not going to give away what is haunting the police station, but <laughs> that that part of it is unique of and, and it is a unique part of the story as well. Sierra, I'm so happy that you put series of unfortunate events on this list. Yeah. One more child friendly uh, reco. The last season came out this year. Um, so it's three seasons that are on Netflix. It has Neil Patrick Harris doing an incredible job as Count Olaf. It's just like very like environmentally like it get it has that creepy like unfortunate unsettling melancholy vibe to it throughout the whole thing. It really does a good job maintaining that. Um, and then of course the costumes are beautiful, the sets are beautiful. Um, I think all the actors do a really great job. It's based off of the book series, um, which I read a real long time ago, and I don't entirely remember it that well but as far as like 
you know, the hitting the key points and it feels like it has the spirit of the books in it for sure. I I haven't um I actually didn't even realize that there was a third season out until I saw this on the list. Mm-hmm. So I need to catch up with that now. Number 28. We're almost there, guys. Almost <laughs> we're there. getting there. Uh, 28 is We Have Always Lived in the Castle, uh, which is on Netflix right now. I think it just came out a couple days ago. Uh, this is actually a, um adaptation of a Shirley Jackson story. Two well-off sisters are haunted by the death of their father, uh, leaving the surrounding town completely against them. Their lives are turned further upside down when a cousin comes to visit. It's more mystery thriller than anything, but it's it's definitely fun. It stars uh, Thaisa Farmiga, you know, from the uh, American Horror Story series, Alexandra Daddario, and Sebastian Stan. Um, this is, it's very quirky. It's very uh, tongue-in-cheek and, and very fun. It's It's kind of one that can be for... A younger crowd, but not really kids, like teenagers, maybe preteens kind of thing. It's not, you know, overly dark, but it it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. There's uh really the word quirky is just the best way to describe it, honestly. It's very cute. When you started describing this, I wouldn't have thought of it as cute or quirky. Really? Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it, but you just started off, you know, the description. Oh yeah. <laughs> Two sisters haunted by the death of their father. Yeah. And the title of it made me think, oh, this is going to be a really serious haunting movie. Right. No, not not quite like that. No. <laughs> then you went all cute and quirky with it. <laughs> I'm a little confused about number 29. We have Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Sierra, did you see this? Yeah. So Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was in the theater. I think it's still in theaters. And we saw it maybe two or three weeks ago and they like officially kicked off the Halloween season for me. Like I came out of the theater ready to drink pumpkin spice flavored things <laughs> and wear all of my Halloween socks and put up decorations and start playing the spooky playlists. Like it really got me in the spirit of things. And I absolutely adored the scary stories to tell in the dark books. Like, I would check them out from the library and think I was a total badass because nobody else was, you know, <laughs> brave enough to read them like I was. Totally. And I think they did a really, really good job translating the illustrations into film and into, like, a 3D space because those, those illustrations are so iconic and everybody, you know, knows how creepy and gross and weird they are. But they seem like they would be a very hard thing to translate into, yeah, into like, you know, something that was in CGI, um, but they did a really good job, I think, making it look real, but then still having that, like, there, this does not belong in this world kind of vibe to it. Cool. I've been dying to hear your thoughts on that, because that's that's exactly what I've been wondering about, is those illustrations are just, you know, mm -hmm. they're so important to that. Yeah. And I, I found myself kind of like, you know, maybe pulling away from it a little bit when I was watching it. And I realized that it's just because this is something that I like genuinely don't want to see in like three-dimensional space like it's it's a it's the drawing i'm specifically thinking of the the woman with like the long kind of stringy black hair who's like really pudgy and like in the movie she like has a dress on that's like also kind of her skin yeah. and she shows up in the hospital it seems like that the images are a lot safer on paper but then when they're on the screen i didn't realize that i would like have a reaction to them other than just like being really excited and happy to see these these illustrations that I love come to life. Huh. 
Yeah. But then I realized like, oh, no, I do really like enjoy this. And I do um, think they did a good job. Um, And then there's also a documentary on Amazon Prime called Scary Stories. And it's about scary stories I tell in the dark, but it's also about goosebumps and like this culture of people who grew up reading these like this horror for kids and how horror for kids has translated into all these artists and people who go on to create like either horror for kids, but then also just like horror, horror. Um, So how this like all these books inspired this generation. That's awesome. Yeah. And it has R.L. Stein on it. It has all the all the guys, all the writers on it. It's really fun. Nice. I've been wanting to see this a lot. Um, I think it came out like right before it, like a week or so before it. And so, you know, we since we have to have babysitters like getting out of the house to see a movie that we can't see with Max and Toes, <clears throat> expensive and hard to plan. So we end up everybody ended up voting on going to see it. And so I haven't gotten to see this yet. I don't have to wait because I don't think I don't know if it's in. I don't think it's in the theater anymore now. Yeah, it might be in the weird in between. Yeah. Uh, number 30 is Brightburn, which is also one that's on. We have ready to, to watch, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, me too. It's great. It's also on Amazon Prime. So a couple struggling with uh, fertility find a baby in a spaceship that crashed in the yard Superman style. Uh, But when that perfect kid hits puberty, suddenly his intentions in life change. This film asks and answers the question, what if Clark Kent was a creepy, vicious, raging asshole? And uh, being someone who has not so secretly always hated Superman, I love that about it. Um, It it really, really has the uh, creepy kid thing down like it is fantastic with the uh the creepy kid kind of trope and it it's it's i fucking love it for that the stars elizabeth banks and david denman who was a uh, roy on the office which by the way is elizabeth banks allowed to age or did she just decide <laughs> not to like where do we stand on that got benjamin button yeah like <laughs> like i think she just stopped like 20 years ago maybe but um yeah, this this is a lot of fun in a lot of different ways, and I think it's kind of hilarious in that it really is just what if Clark Kent was a fucking asshole once he hit pu- puberty, <laughs> and <laughs> just like I really think that's hilarious. One thing that I really do want to caution here is that there is some uh, in- kind of intense body horror here. And I was not warned ahead of time. So a friend of mine, like, really, really stressed that I should watch this. So she knows that I have a problem with things going into the eyes. She knows this, okay? And then she, <laughs> I'm watching this fucking movie, and a piece of glass flies right into a pupil. And I'm sitting here screaming on my couch, oh, God, oh, no, my life is over. What just happened? And it's just like, like, I texted her and I'm like, why did you do this to me? And she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's an eye thing. So I just like anybody else that has this fear, I just want to throw it out there that this happens and that your life is going to be over if you watch it. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Another thing happens uh, with with the jaw, but it's really fucking boss. The, these uh, uh, 
special effects here are really incredible. Some of them are just fantastic. But besides that, it's a good movie. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, I, I really love uh, the premise of it. Um, it. I feel like it doesn't get old. Like it, It's the kind of thing where you could just sort of hear people sitting around getting stoned like, but what if Clark Kent, but an asshole? <laughs> you can see that getting old kind of fast, but I feel like they do it in a way that, that doesn't lose your interest. Uh, throughout the film so it's it's a lot of fun if you like that kind of thing and uh I'm, 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 despite the eye thing my life will go on this is uh literally in our like lineup at home of we have like a, a going list of things we need to catch up on and see and this is one of them and i'm surprised that um did either of you see the new pet cemetery not yet no <laughs> No. Okay, because because that's on that's on our list too, and I was like, oh, those one of those two will have seen it. No. Somebody will talk about it. No, I saw that it wasn't getting great reviews, so I didn't feel like I needed to be in a big rush. Exactly. Huh. Yeah, it's it's there somewhere on the list, but I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> I was scared to see it because honestly, I can't I can't live through Gage again, like his death scene. Mm-hmm. It traumatized me before I had a kid. I can't watch that again. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've cheated a little bit and like peeked at some information about the movie just so I can figure out like if I'm going to be able to watch it or not. We are at number 31. <laughs> Woohoo! We made Wee-hoo. it. Number 31 is something that we all love and we all recommend and we all have seen. Um, and we will probably never stop talking about as long as we have microphones in front of our faces. It's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that is what we do in the shadows. Um, but we wanted to recommend the TV series, which there is uh, a- an entire 11 episodes of season one. It's on Hulu. It originally aired on FX. Um, and season two is coming in 2020. Nice. So you have time to catch up on season one, and I don't want to hear any excuses from anybody who hasn't seen this. Seriously. (laughs) It is a daily look, a mockumentary, if you will, of three three vampires who have lived together for over 100 years on Staten Island, as well as the familiar of one of them, Guillermo. Poor Guillermo. They're so mean to him. No, poor Guillermo. And the various adventures that they have in their failed attempts at trying to take over the world. Yeah, their their quest to <laughs> at least start with taking over Staten Island. Well, <laughs> it's really it's really their yeah, they I mean you could barely call it an attempt. Yeah. <laughs> but they do leave the house once in a while. Every now and then. <laughs> but it is it is a hilarious and dark and uh, dry, lovely little tidbit of New Zealand humor um, that you have to see. Yeah, and I think we were all a little bit um, afraid that it might not hold up to the movie. I mean, I think it works because it's not trying to be the movie. Yeah. It's just it's just holding, you know, um, homage to the comedy and the feeling and the and the, the vibe of the movie. Right, right. But it is its own. It's its own weird, quirky being. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, that is number 31. And I actually, now that I think about it, that would be a super fun thing to watch on Halloween, especially if you have just like a couple of friends over, you know, and you're not necessarily having a big monster mash or anything. (laughs) And you just want to watch something funny. I think it would be really cool to wrap this episode up by asking listeners to send us your favorite Halloween movies. I'm not sure if we've necessarily asked that before, because this is our fourth time doing this, so we might have, and I totally can't remember. I don't think we have. I think that would be fun if people would send us, yeah, tell us what you like to watch on Halloween if you stay home. You know, what are your favorite Halloween movies? I know that all of us probably have regulars that we watch all the time. Sierra has her Simpsons thing mm-hmm. the treehouse, treehouse of horror of marathon horror. it's already scheduled <laughs> i think there was one was there one year like early on when sierra like she's like i can't podcast i have a treehouse of horror and we're like what <laughs> probably what the hell is that what is she talking about <laughs> i was like like the simpsons <laughs> like sierra got a treehouse exactly what? like the simpsons <laughs> It's a weird it's a weird western west coast thing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but that is a wrap, ladies. That's our 31 Days of Horror 4th edition, episode number 68. Uh, we also have started creating for you lovely people a Spotify playlist. It is called the Sirens Fall Mix 19. Want to look it up and hear some creepy music? And, and we'll we'll link our Spotify playlists all over the place, too. You can um, also find all of our past episodes if you're just coming here for the first time, which I think this episode every year, somehow we end up gaining new people Yep. Uh, via this episode, right? <laughs> you can find all of our past episodes at sirensofscream.com. You can email us at sirens at sirensofscream.com. You can find us on Twitter at sirenspodcast. You can find us on Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much everywhere where cool people are. That's where we are. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what we're going to have next for you, because we're crazy like that. We plan everything as we go. That's it. Everybody have an awesome Halloween. Happy Halloween. (laughs) It's close to midnight, and something evil's lurking in the dark.
Easy.